you want to take a great portrait, you have to you have to fall a little bit in love with the person. You have to fall, you know. And it's it's, it's so completely true. Now, the last time I looked, a fucking chocolate fountain isn't falling in love with anyone. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and grow your own wedding business. Do you ever find yourself at a wedding looking down at your camera, panicking about your settings, or during a couple session and just not feeling the flow, or in doubt while editing, feeling you should have used the 35 rather than the 50 mil? Maybe you have a digital mindset. Well, today's guest might be able to help you. Saimur is a rangefinder NYC awarded photographer with a decade's worth of experience traversing the globe shooting couples in love, but with a passion for analog photography and who is a supporter of the philosophies behind shooting in older formats. So let's recalibrate our minds with Sai and get back to our analog state. Sai is also a serial entrepreneur with an array of different businesses under his wing. So we'll be chatting about his business mindset, as well as why it's important to make fans rather than clients. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack and for a limited time by Beans.ie. So Greg, where the hell's my coffee? You're not getting a coffee. It is far too late at night. bastard. You didn't sleep last week, so you're not getting a coffee. <laughs> That is absolutely right. If you guys tuned in for Jai Long's episode, uh, Greg and I were drinking coffees at 10 o'clock at night and, you know, we thought that was a good idea. And because we're talking to the other side of the world again, being New Zealand tonight, yeah, it's similar time of night for us. So We've learned a lesson. We're not, not doing it. It hurts us to say that we're not drinking coffee. Yes, but as photographers and filmmakers and business owners, we know the power of stories. And Beans.ie do too. Beans.ie started because they knew there were so many stories about the world of coffee, and not just about the regions of varieties, but about the people behind the beans, the roasters, and us, the drinkers. This is the most flexible coffee subscription that we've ever used, showcasing some of the top roasters around the world who bring something different to the table. You've been listening to Greg and I talk for years about what we've been drinking at our podcast table, but now... You can join us. Curate your own monthly subscription from an ever-changing list of beautiful coffees. And because you are our best friends, we've hooked you up with an awesome promotion. Use promo code PERSPECTIVE15 to get 15% off your first order. That is PERSPECTIVE15 to get 15% off your first order for coffees with stories. And straight to your door. And boy, do I wish I was drinking a coffee right now. However, sigh... Hi, thank you for joining us. What are you drinking? Oh, that is unacceptable. I can absolutely get you through this with my energy. I'm on my third, my third mug. It's 11 a.m. here. Oh. My third very large mug of filter. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, you're making up for the lack of our coffee then. Exactly. I'm gutted that I'm not having a coffee, but okay. we have to. I'm currently currently drinking a very nice Guji. Um Quite good, actually. Actually, quite good. I've been quite pleased with yesterday and today's brew. Um, hang on, let me just take a sip. And and how are you brewing it? Well, this, this is a good question. If we're going to go deep on this, I can go deep. Let's go deep. I have 
I have for a long time been um, been in the Kinex game. But but pause, hold caller. Um, mm-hmm. Over the over the over the summer, which summer your winter, our summer. Um, I I did a little bit of a camping mission, you know, roamed around, um, roamed around the, roamed around the nation. Actually, just roamed around a beach, to be honest. Uh, and I was using a um, a gold filter, a little, you know, the little gold filter thing. What's that thing called? You know, an Aeropress. No, nah, that's rubbish. That's, that's a rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> a, um, a gold thing. No, nah, the, the little the little gold, little gold, whatever the thing is. The Swiss gold, Swiss gold. Yeah, Swiss gold. Um, and I was like, whoa, this is like, because Chemex is super clean, uh-huh. really clean. Oh, I yeah. think maybe too clean, too clean. Mm-hmm. Like you just like, where'd the coffee go? Um, <laughs> but it is, it is, the, the Chemex filter is great for if you're deep frying at home for, for, for filtering your oil, I find quite good. <laughs> you know, um, maybe not for making coffee. Anyway, so moved, moved over to Swiss Gold, which just lets everything through. And I was like, look at what I've been missing out on. Holy shit. This tastes like coffee. So coming back from hot, coming back from that holiday, I have moved, my friends. I've moved uh, deep to the V60 filter game, um, which is kind of like halfway in between. And I'm finding I'm getting a good balance of you know clean acidity and cup mm-hmm. with uh, a delicious amount of body and just enough oil to satisfy my needs. Mm. Yeah. All right. I'm, um, I'm going to have to check out talk- this Swiss Gold. Yeah, I've not heard of that one. And I thought talk- I knew a lot of coffee. About- when you talk about coffee like that, you you hear your voice and you just think, "Who's that wanker?" <laughs> but that is so true. Yeah, you're, I, you're in good like, your what that? <laughs> Yeah, it's like if I heard someone talking about wine, like I just talked about that coffee, I'd be like, "You can piss off, mate." But um, <laughs> actually, it turns out that somehow I've gone down the rabbit hole. And I mean, listen, if you know if you know what you like, if you like what you like, you like what you like, right? And if you yeah. don't, then you don't. I don't, you know. I'm not saying. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. So what? by the way, Googe, Googe for me, um, a good like, we've got a bunch of friends in the coffee game. A really dear mate of mine was the CEO of a big coffee company here for like years, and so um, I've always had access to behind the curtain of the process. Ooh, and ooh, all right. Had some quite nice. Mm-hmm. Had some quite nice. Some quite nice coffees show up, but I must admit, just your straight up basic, you know, Ethiopian. Uh-huh. Also, um. I've been introduced recently to the term massel, obviously in meters above sea level. You know, like when you go into you go into like a new coffee place, uh-huh. and the dude will ask whoever's behind the counter um, will ask you, like, you know, hey, what are you, you know, what do you like? Trying to figure out what you want, and you just go straight to the thing. You're like, well, I prefer a massel above fifteen hundred meters. Um, okay, you know, so it gets a bit gets a bit gets a bit wanky. Also, I don't, I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> dropping it in straight <laughs> away is just like good. a. a just like a fucking mic drop where it's just like, yeah. back off. I'm gonna, I need some time to look at my own thing, right? Oh, damn. Coffee prestige to the max. Yeah, Def- or, or coffee wankery. I'm like, try, try it out sometime though. Next time, next time you go into a place that's like, you know, like coffee intimidating, where like everyone's, it's pretty intimidating. You're just yeah. like, I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Just drop, if, you, if you're feeling a little bit like you're sh- a shrinking violet, just drop massel meters above sea level. Just drop that into the sentence when you're ordering. And suddenly you'll hear you'll hear everything go silent. Yeah, and people will look. Who's referencing mess all over there? Oh, beautiful <laughs> tips for life right here. Tips for life. Just, I don't know. <laughs> tips, to, tips to get tips, tips to get you branded a wanker and kicked out of the cafe. That's all <laughs> out. But um, 
Oh man. Well, we actually have. I mean, I've I've skipped the ad read uh, live, but I'll I'll put it in the the podcast after. But we do. We are obviously sponsored by a um, coffee subscription company that ships kind of uh, coffees from all over the world. And uh, so, so do I, you, yeah, do you have any coffees that you'd recommend? Because we're in quite close contact with um, the 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 guy who runs it. And he's, he's always asking us, you know, if you hear of any coffees, you know, let me know and I can try and get them shipped over and spread across the world. So do you have any good recommendations? I mean, from roasters, like there's some, there's some, we're good. I mean, there's some pretty great roasters in New Zealand. But then when I say pretty great roasters, like I'm going to be honest here, like you're taking a bean and you're cooking it, right? So like how great do you have to be? You know, but <laughs> yes, obviously great. You obviously, yes, you have to be great. But also it's you, I'm always just amazed by this situation. So you there's there's some there's some some people like the family running a co-op in the highlands of Ethiopia, and like someone goes there and like they do a blind tasting with the half a dozen like coffee buyers, and then they like say yeah I'll take like I'll take all you got of that, or I'll take a forty foot container of that, send us the green beans, right? They ship them like down like down like in trucks to put them into like a forty foot container at the port wherever in Addis or something. Mm-hmm. You know, goes on a sh- container ship, goes halfway around the world, comes to New Zealand. Like they like they ship them to another part of the country. They go into a warehouse, they wait around, a dude cooks them basically, fries them up, sweet, mean, grinds them up, maybe not, maybe just leaves them as a whole bean, seals it in a thing, like ships it to me, right, in Auckland from another city, <laughs> and then often I'll then send it to my friends in, say, the UK or, like, the US to be like, and they're like, hey, send me a bag of that sweet coffee you drink. I'm like, holy shit, this, this bean has been, like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just out of control. And then what they do is they just grind it up into a powder, pour hot water over it, and depending on the day, it's probably not very good. <laughs> Or the yeah. on the day, it's actually amazing. It could actually be amazing. <laughs> no, there's, there's some pretty, there's some pretty good, there's some pretty good roasters in New Zealand. Um, Rocket, Rocket is a big fave. Supreme, my personal fave. Uh-huh. Um, they've sort of, sort of grown into a juggernaut. Um, but yeah, like they, they, are, it's always that thing too that like everyone just is kind of selling the same coffees around the world because they're the ones that can get volume of. And uh-huh. every now and then, these little crazy ones show up. That's like, oh, yeah. it's like the inside word. But sometimes yes. they're so. They're so kind of like niche in what they taste like um, mm. that you've kind of got to be pretty niche to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know? Yeah. Like there's – yeah, yeah. I've gone to some crazy cuppings and tastings and stuff with some intimidating people where you're tasting a thing and you're thinking in your head, you're, you know, you, you're going around a table sipping from a spoon. In your head, you're thinking like, God, this is shit. Like is this <laughs> – I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to go home and I'm glad I made a coffee before I came to this thing. And I'm going to have to go home and make one afterwards too. Cause this is like, what is everyone else who's like got very refined palates and who's deep in the industry is just like, Whoa. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I'm like, no, not quite, not quite getting it. Yeah. But I don't even know what I just said. Hopefully that was a good ad for, that was, hopefully that was a good ad read for beans.ie because like, uh, you know. Well, well, it's not live. So, you know, if I, if I muck it up, I can just re- re-record it. It's absolutely fine. But look, I, I, would, I, I would definitely recommend there. I'd recommend the summer blend, which is cotton candy, strawberry, blueberry, and vanilla wafers. Who writes these tasting notes? Great bubble gum, cola, and vanilla wafer. Vanilla wafer shows up quite a bit. Okay. Can I say? 
there's, but there, there's a description here that has vanilla wafers in the summer blend, but in the single origin Kochiri, it's a single wafer, vanilla wafer, oh, just one, just a touch, mm. not a packet, just, not a packet. Just a oh, hint, just a... <laughs> just, a, just a broken wafer, just a crumb of a wafer, just a hint of a smell of a wafer from the empty packet of vanilla wafer. <laughs> I don't even know what a vanilla wafer is. Oh, I think we're going to have to. I'm on the third mug. I'm on the third mug, guys. <laughs> oh, but I think we're going to have to move away from the coffee. Step away, <laughs> step away from the coffee. Uh, like, so, um, I'm super excited to to have you on. To be honest, uh, I've been a big fan of your work for a while. But last month, when you messaged us to say you were ready at your podcast desk, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Are we a month early? What's going on? <laughs> oh no, I've done it again. I've I've misread some dates or something. You got me panicked. No, I got me panicked. Just, so I was just like, well, and then and then when you your reply in true Scottish fashion was just like, I mean, I know there's a time difference, but I don't think there's a month time difference. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. There there was like a confusion, and I was like. Does, does he think it's March already? And I thought, I'm going to have to put it in some sort of jokey form and try and like, make it clear that it's, like, it's not dude, March. It's like, dude, it's not, it is not March where you are. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, thank, oh, thank goodness. I mean, I was, so I was just coming, driving back from a, driving back from a shoot, been away on a shoot, driving back into Auckland, um, and then brutal traffic. And then I'm basically like, my phone's kind of doing like, doing the you know doing your gps situation at the same time and then i'm trying to figure out like so what hang on what well as you as you see that the time you thought you had you know two hours up your sleeve mm-hmm. in an hour and you're going to be arriving half and it's like well trying to figure out download like what do i need to do how does this work all while driving navigating traffic it's quite like you know <laughs> yeah yeah anyway we, was, got, we got here we in got, the end. Yes, exactly. We got, hell, we got here. We yes, got here. exactly. And I, I feel like, so you've you've kind of been on my list of guests to get on for a while. But, and I, I have to admit this, right? The first time I wrote to you, I was in my hot tub and I was in oh. kind of like a drunken haze. Like I was only, I, I was just having a little bit of downtime, a couple of cans. Because, you know, it's totally professional of me to message podcast guests when I'm inebriated, but. Hail. It's the only. It's the only <laughs> acceptable. Well, way. Well, so so this this led me to do two things. One, I was I had just got my film camera, so I was watching anything you know, film, anything I could get my hands on, whether it was YouTube content or, or you know, what, whatever it was. But that led me on to your work because your name had always been on that list, and I really got into your work, and I was like, yeah, this is a good idea to message him right now. <laughs> yeah, and always just, a good, always and, a good idea. In uh, the hot, I need, I'm going to need a description of the hot tub too. Like, what well, I want to imagine that you were in like a in a Swedish forest, yeah. you know, like with mist, mist, and like like I don't know, gear falcons flying around you, and in kind of some sort of cedar lined thing as you're lazing, like having your cans brought to you by. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna kill that dream because it's, it's was, what an inflatable hot tub was, in the it, suburbs of Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, to be fair though, like throughout the day, I I, I I had been getting my children to bring me cans of beer. So that's kind of close. Yeah. That makes me sound like yeah, an awful just, father. I should not say this on a podcast. Oh, no, that's like, there's a, I mean, you know, learning to fend for yourself as a child is part of the growing up phase. And part of that is learning where, where the cans of things are kept. Mm. And so you bring the can to the father 
while learning, oh, that's where the beer is. And then you have to undo that knowledge in yeah. about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, Good luck the, with that. The recommendation of getting you on the podcast originally came from Cole Roberts, a guest oh, yes. ages ago in the podcast. Yeah, I totally forgot uh, about that. Yeah. yeah. A very a very manly Canadian man, a very sexy man with a great voice. He like, does have a great you. voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I remember him saying something about just get Sai on, point him in the direction and just let him run. And I can see what he means by that already. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it's just like give yeah. Make one, just make give, give me one, give me a word, and then we, you, you'll end up with like about three hundred like controversial statements that. that <laughs> hey, t- tell me, tell me about you. You got your first film camera. Tell what can, what did you get? What tell me about? T- t- tell me more. I need to know. Back to the hot tub. Oh man, it was a, uh, it was a Nikon F one. In fact, no, it wasn't. It was a Nikon F three. That that was the one. Yeah, I, I was going to say more uh, classic case. Classic yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That was the kind of first one I'd got, and I got it second hand, and it stunk of smoke, and it came with a 50mm lens, I believe. But you know what? I really loved getting into it. I really, I really did. And obviously, we're we're just filmmakers, so we don't we don't make money with photography at all. But man, I just you know, even stripping it back to uh, to black and white is just there's something about it. And I enjoy, like, so when I was in the hot tub, I was actually ordering chemicals as well. I was like, oh, cool. These, you know, I, I, I was buying all the kind of um, the kit to do it, to do it in your house. So, yeah, I was having a great time. And I have been. It's, it's good. It's good. Good time. It's good time. It's good it, is, time. it is a good time. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things. Oh, I should, I mean, if you got, I'm, I'm just realized I'm busting in on what you guys probably have, like, 20 ways of doing this and I'm, I was about to just like start, go off on a tangent. No, I'll be silent. <laughs> tell, tell me, guide me, guide me. No, guide I, was, me. no I was just going to, I was just going to say before we went off on the, on the film tangent, which I, I will love and continue just, uh, it's like a Q and a reminder. If you guys are listening on clubhouse, that is awesome. There will be a Q and a section at the end. So you can ask Simon anything you want. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can listen back to that Q&A section later. But shall we move on, Greg? Yes. Just move on. Move on. Sai, I said this earlier, but I've already pre-recorded an introduction. However, I always like to ask the guests, who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a photographer uh, and, and I make photographs. Make photographs, not take photographs. I've always been quite big on that. Yeah. yeah. Make photographs, not take photographs. Yeah. Um, and I've probably spent the last um, longer than a decade, um, yeah, shooting people in love all around the planet with my uh, my brilliant partner in crime, Sophia Bailey. And, yeah, we have, we're lucky enough to have been a part of a bunch of very brilliant people's Whatever that means, you know, um, people, celebration of their love all over the all over the world, and I think it's it's led us to um, it's led us to want wanting to make a certain kind of work that tells a certain kind of story and kind of how that how that works. I think it's it's always been a really big distinction, and I, I still even I mean I do it every week when I meet people and ask you what you do, and they're just like oh yeah you know like until. Tell stories and photograph photograph people in love, and it was like, oh, you mean like weddings? And I'm like, no, it requires it requires no more. It requires no more. I told you everything there is to know. It's yeah. like people in love, um, because you know, because there is there's so much. Ah, 
stigma is the wrong word, but there is so when you think of a wedding, you think of a cultural, mm. social document about things go a certain way in 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 a commitment ceremony or whatever. You know, there is so much bound up in what that word means, and and it turns out that you know anyone who's been in the in the people in love game for very long will suddenly see a vast array of flavors of people and flavors of love and flavors of how that is. Um, you know, celebrated and flavors of how that's captured. And, you know, it, 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 it just, it seems like a bit of a ripoff to, to try and compound that into a very loaded word like wedding, when in fact it's, um, it's a fuck ton more, you know, mm-hmm. um, deeper and deeper and wider and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, and take photos of people in love. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah. I was intrigued to see where you were going to go with that answer because if you deep if you take a deep dive into yourself, then you're actually more than just a photographer. You've got loads of other businesses as well. There's uh, the Story and Light workshops. There's Arcade. You're a, a furniture yeah. company. The furniture game. Mm-hmm. Tell us tell us a bit about how some of those came to be as well. I mean the 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 workshop thing. I think. Um, you know, we've we've been lucky enough to be a part of a lot of group workshops. You know, like around the world, you know, like that the, our friends and people we know have run, and you sort of get to be a part of, um, a part of this really one, you know, a wonderfully organised thing with, you know, I mean, like like take way up north, like you know, that's that's some, you know, one I enjoy enormously, you know, doing like Cole and Jacob's thing, um, or like our good friends of ours in New York run one called Workshop, a workshop called Workshop, who would have thought, but except, you know, it's, it's W-I-K-S-H-P. They just got rid of the, you know, the bits, the workshop or something. But, you know, like yeah. you, you can you can be a part of these 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 big, these things. And I, I think um, I, I've i always been really sceptical of, um, of the workshop scene in some ways as, as a business model. Because you're always sort of like, you know, like you, you, you'll find yourself at a workshop or at a, at a thing somewhere or, or a, you know, like a, a Canon-sponsored event mm-hmm. at a thing and and you find yourself sitting at a table late at night with a bunch of people just saying, listen, I'm, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but, you you know, you don't need to come to these things. Here's what you need. You need to do this, this, and this. You need to get, like, five good people around you. You need to figure out how to feed yourself. And the sooner you fucking learn to do that, the better off you'll be and you'll find that you don't need to be spoon fed this stuff or you don't need, you know, or like there's so, I've been at so many things where you'll be sitting in a corner late at night saying to someone like, how much, how much did it cost you to come here? You know, um, <laughs> like with how much did the hotel cost you? How much did the flights cost you? How much did the thing cost you? You know, mm-hmm. um, and you go, it's, it's great. And, and this is a great way to find your tribe if you haven't found your tribe yet. But if you've found some people, you know what you could do? You could get three or four or five of your people and you could pull that money and you could go on a fucking tour of New York, like bloody galleries for a week. Or you could fly to an ice cave in Greenland and like spend like three days looking at how the light comes through the mouth of the cave at whatever. Or, you you know, you could you could figure out your own educational thing here. You could take this resource and you could do a thing with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go and hunt down, like, hunt down Gregory Cruson or, you know, someone who's, like, just, you know, someone who, the, who whose work you love 
and just go and stalk them until they let you inside their house and make you a cup of tea and tell you all about something. I don't know. You know, you could you could go and you could go and camp outside David Lynch's house, you know, and get him to and get him to like read the weather to you like he does like occasionally. You know, it's like there's, there's all of these things about how um, learning and getting education works, you know, about how putting information, inspiration into you works, mm-hmm. that it, you don't need to be spoon-fed by. Now, having said that, like, all of these works are so fucking great. Like, 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 I have had, as, as even speaking at them, I've had so many benchmark experiences of just being there with, with the people you know and the people you love and getting to talk about things, you know. Yeah. So it's, it, what, what's ironic is that, you know, you, Often at those workshops, I'm the one, I'm the subversive one in the corner saying, you don't need to do fucking workshops. But the fact is, the only way people can hear that message is by someone who has, has taken the massive risk to put on a workshop to get me there to then for me to say, you don't need to do workshops, you know, <laughs> knowing that I'll say that. So yeah. the whole thing is an irony. But it's, 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 also, um, it's also that thing of, like, I, I think, throwing the net wider to be like, what, you know, what's the thing that changes how you think about something? What's the thing that, that makes you... You know, be um, oh, I mean, this this is such a oof, this is in some ways this is like a horrible harks back to Sunday school kind of illustration, <laughs> but it's also really valid. Like, it's like, what's the thing that makes you kind of like um, fertile soil that you can drop a bloody seed into and it can go? You know, mm. and, and and lots of that is, is 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 the experience you have around that stuff. So with the story and light stuff, I think um, there's there's a place that's in the central plateau in New Zealand and the North Island of New Zealand, which is very dear to like, like to Soph and I, um, place where I go fly fishing. It's, there's a bunch of volcanoes, like big, crazy outdoor wild weather. Um, and there's a, a mental old, like, you know, 1950s ski lodge perched on the side of a volcano way up a crazy road, um, oh. in the middle of this Alpine desert. And it's mental. And we were always just like, man, we'd love to bring. Like, we were lucky enough to have like have like travel around the world with like all of our wonderful crew of you know mates doing photo stuff, you know, and speaking mm. at things and shooting and going on. We, I mean, I God, um, I have to tell you, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish the workshop story, but then I have to tell you a story about Ollie Sanson because holy fuck, um, <laughs> okay. what to do with that? But no, nah, you know, like we, we we were just like, it'd be so great to be able to bring. Um, to bring that atmosphere of what it feels like to travel with some of your friends who are, you know, who who are who are sharp and subversive and creative and doing wonderful things. Mm-hmm. That feeling is what it feels like often for us to be sitting in, a, in, a, in an airport lounge with 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 our friends talking about crazy shit, or sitting in our lounge room talking about crazy shit, or sitting <laughs> on a plane somewhere, or in a weird, you know, or you're in a green room. At a at a at a convention somewhere talking about this stuff, and we're just like, man, like that stuff is benchmark. The weird shit that you talk about, that's the stuff that changes you. Yeah. How can we bring that sort of conversation to to you know to, to a bunch of other people who are kind of you know just starting out in the game? So we're like, fuck, let's put them. Let's see if we can put them. We can convince people to to, to come and hang out in this weird 1950s ski lodge on the side of a volcano in the <laughs> middle of fucking nowhere in New Zealand. <laughs> Um, and we'll just invite a bunch of our dear friends and we'll just do a bunch of stuff and we'll just see how it goes. And not stuff of like, hey, here's business 101 about how to get more clients or here's yeah. how to, you know, here's how to design an album. Just like, just <laughs> stuff of, stuff of like, you know, like, what do you do when you, what do you do when you're five years deep 
and you just think you've run and you've fucking run out of gas. You know, what do you do when you, you know, all this sort of all these conversations about how does how does it work? We just wanted people. We always were storing like we want people to find their crew and just go and be like, we don't, you know, it can be us. It might not be us, but we'll put you in the same room with some amazing people, and mm-hmm. you'll probably discover that some of these people here are your crew because we're sitting around late at night talking about like, you know like what do you do when you feel like a failure you know what do you do when you feel like your work's fucking terrible how do you how do you stay in this game for 10 years and feel like it's satisfying you know how do you all, mm. all these all these things which like often people think that they don't they don't especially if they were going to talk about so yeah this there's kind of a story like thing and so yeah. you know it's it, but the location is just as important i remember like um you know driving a after doing an airport pickup, man, we like, um, you know, in one edition, there's like a bu- whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of Australians have flown from, flown from all around Australia and slowly gathered in, in airports, you know, like from, you know, in Melbourne or Sydney or whatever. And we just keep getting these messages of, of the larger and larger groups of people like, oh, I found these dudes who are coming, like to story, you know, and then people flying into Auckland and then getting on a small plane flying to like the middle of the island until someone like sends us, I think Cassie sent us like a photo of like holding a phone up, looking down the aisle, you know, like on this little plane and it's all our crew. It's like, Whoa, we've dom- <laughs> fucking dominated. You know, I picked everyone up and like, and, and four wheel drives at this little airport and then um, drove around the edge of a lake, you know, and then we basically get out in the middle of nowhere, you know, an hour's drive in and you're four wheel driving up this crazy, volcanic ridge towards a snow-capped volcano with a skeelage on the side of the thing. There's, like, another volcano, like the Mount, Mount Doom from the Lord of the Rings things, so like Narahui, <laughs> over there in the distance. The sun's going down. The colors are insane. And it's just, like, everyone's just, like – and everyone has, has been traveling for, like, 16 hours. And at this stage, they're an emotional overload – People are crying. It's like, whoa, the, where the fuck are we? Like, whoa. <laughs> they, come in, they come into the ski lodge. There's a roaring fire. There's like a, a, a brilliant chef who's like smashing out the stuff. And everyone's just, there's levels of reunion going on along with levels of everyone going, what the fuck, where are we? There's snow starting to fall. It's all the things. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where you just go, now, now, we've got some fertile fucking ground now, you know, it's like, put anything, tell me anything right now. And I'll be like, yes, sure. Like, absolutely. And, and you get this thing that like, you know, if if you're a, if you're an artist, if you're wired up to have a heart that's like raw and alive and wants to experience things and wants to feel things quite deeply and turn it into work, that all of that stuff is the stuff that makes you go, Oh, now I want to learn something. Not, you know, like show me a show me a PowerPoint presentation of a thing that goes whatever, and we're going to sit in a conference room or something. It's, yeah. it's like this experience of and so and, and and you look around at these people, these other people you don't know that you've had this arriving experience with, and you just go like, you're my you're my crew. Like, holy shit, we've just experienced this thing. We're the only ones on the planet who've just experienced these last this last hour of glory, and and you know. You've got to be my crew because I'm going to want to talk about this for the next ten years. Like <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. in this together now. So and it's, and, it's, and it's all of that stuff. And and you find that from that level of like walls coming down, that people just start to like share stuff and talk about stuff. And you don't, yeah. you really, you really don't have to drop very much, you know, insight and information into that before it turns into some remarkable conversations. Yeah. And people want to make some really great work. And so I think that's. That's the story and light thing. That's that's that that's the kind of passion which just goes oh you know because we you, you can sit in a New York 
you know, in a venue in New York with some amazing people talking about some pretty incredible things about business models. Mm-hmm. And like my heart's always just like, fuck, like if I could take you to a mountain, you know, if we could wade through a bloody river, if we could freeze, get hypothermia and like fall through the ice into like a bloody river underneath while we're trying to just shoot, shoot like a, you know, a deer friend of ours who's like, like standing up against a snowstorm, you know, and then we come back in and stand by the fire freezing cold and talk about like all the things. Like, this is, <laughs> why don't we just go do that? Like, we should do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is just, all of that stuff is just, it's really just saying, you know, like your, your heart, your heart, which does the experiencing, you know, and your head, which is the learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've, you've kind of got to bring the two things together. Otherwise, it gets a bit, gets a bit dry. I don't even know what I'm saying now. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, you know, I just want to say, I totally get you. Like, e- even, even you, telling that story gets me excited to go out and adventure you know like it's like it's like my heart is 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 wanting to escape and get out and do stuff and create and just from you telling that story and maybe that's just a side effect of covid and we've all kind of well we're very jealous of your freedom over there because you're have you have a very sensible government who have you know a good approach to covid but over here we've got a bunch of lunatics and um we've been kind of locked down for a while so we have this yearning you know, so just hearing hearing that story, and it it actually that, it reminds me going back to your crew. I remember you talking to Jai Long, who obviously we we podcasted with last week. But Jai, I think you were on his podcast, and you were talking about customer service in a way that I hadn't really heard about customer service being talked before. And like, I don't I don't want to get into talking about customer service because you guys have had that conversation hang on i'm gonna look at my notes here is it right okay hang on it was all right so for the listeners out there the the podcast episode that i was listening to was episode 19 of jai long's make your break podcast uh which i mentioned a good few times in the last episode because i'm a big fan of his as well yeah i i I do want to get your thoughts on something before we go back to your your other businesses because I was at a workshop one time and I heard something that was kind of interesting and I I can kind of see where it came from, but I didn't agree. And I want to know if you agreed with this statement. So the statement was, we as photographers and videographers are no more important to a couple than a chocolate fountain. Which, which Ooh, that, it just depends on how important you think a chocolate fountain is. Like, <laughs> <whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose uh, I didn't take it from that point of view, but nah, that's that's like that's absolutely like, honestly. Here, so that one things to know about me: one, I can develop an opinion on anything. Two, it'll probably sound like a strong opinion, but also I'm absolutely fine with like it being me being the only one in the room who thinks that. But like that, just fucking ridiculous. No, like okay. I, I think the thing is, like if if you're a, if you're a person, um, if you're a person who is has a personality like a chocolate fountain then yes you are probably as important to a couple as a chocolate fountain although that couple could be like for example chocolate connoisseurs who think chocolate fountains are absolutely a fuck ton important but it's it's the thing is like you 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 should be um you should be like the person who made the chocolate fountain, who provided the chocolate fountain, who put the chocolate in the chocolate fountain, who fucking shipped that shit off and set it up, can be an absolute douchebag. And it doesn't matter because they're not there. They just let the chocolate fountain work its magic, you know? Yeah. It's like, but you, you, are, you are your personality, your empathy, how you understand how people work, how you understand their stories, how you, are, you know, 
that that's every, you're there and, and, and who you are is just as important as what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. how you relate to people is just as important as what you're doing. I was having a Zoom meeting last night with a couple, um, shooting in a few months and talking, I don't know what we're talking about, but like I, I, you know, I, I heard myself saying, um, you know, we just, it's just like, I mean, when everyone that you love and that you care about is in, which might be 200 people or it might be three people, it doesn't matter. But you know, when yeah. they're in a room, and I'm, th- I'm actually just talking about crammed in a little room while you're doing something. It doesn't matter what the messy room is like. If everyone you love on this day that's so important to you is crammed in a room somewhere, um, all I know is that I need to be in that room as well because that's where all the people are. Someone's going to be – something's going to happen. There's mm-hmm. a thing. There's a thing, a beautiful thing. That's This is an intersection, a Venn diagram of all the things in your life right now. And like if I'm telling the story of this beautiful thing – I need to be in that room, so I need to do. I need to do whatever it takes for me to get access to that room. Mm-hmm. You know, I need. I need. I need to be your best friend. I need to guide you through this process. I need to be the person that everyone in that room trusts. I need to be invisible or incredibly visible or something. Who knows? But the thing is that, like, you are fucking vital. The amount of like couples, you know, the amount of often when we shoot, like, you know, social shoot, social shoot, like the bride, the girls, you know, and whatever they're doing. Start of the day, and I'll shoot. I'll shoot, I'll shoot the guys. I'll shoot the grooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of couples, especially grooms, that like I'm just dear friends with, you know, like I'm, we're, we're like fucking five hundred, six hundred weddings deep, and I can remember almost all of them when you when you meet someone on the street and you sit yeah. down, and you're just like, oh yeah, and they're like, yeah. how can you remember? I'm like, I don't know, but I had this crazy heart experience with you, and I live with the images for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, it's imprinted on me, you know. I have an empathetic heart that feels the that sees the stuff and understands what it must like to experience it for you. But you you walk these people through this thing, you know. Like I I had a weekend off, um, you know, like a couple couple of weeks ago, and um, like. For ages, like I've been messaging now. There's, there's a groom I shot, like we shot like a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. And he'd always he lives on a station, on a high country station, way down in the middle of nowhere, in the island, you know. And um, they've got him and his him and his wife Emma, George and Emma. They've got like a new little new little new little baby. He's surrounded by massive packs of dogs. Um, <laughs> we, we we went we went down there and shot like a wedding of one of his one of his farm workers like got married and we went down there and shot the wedding on the station of like the farm worker and, mm-hmm. you know, we're hanging out and we stay with them and they're like, you know, on the whole thing and just like, just, all, and, and they're just, they've just become like dear friends. Yeah. Um, and then I've got one weekend off and George is just like, Oh, come down. Like, we'll, I'll take you fly fishing out this crazy like river over the back of the station. I was just like, okay. Just drove eight hours down to the thing to go. And it felt as natural, as natural as anything like in the world, because like I've been alongside him on a crazy wedding day when there was like a freaking hurricane, power cuts, all sorts of crazy shit. He was like, the last thing he wanted was to be in front of a whole bunch of people. And but that, like, I mean, I could give you so many examples. I, I just got a message, like I'm sitting here on the laptop from like from like a, the a couple that we shot where like like the the bride is buying like the groom like some speakers and they were mm-hmm. just like hey when we were we were over at your place for like drinks like you know a couple of months ago and we were playing records and we saw the speakers and I'm like buying Mike some speakers like what's the model of the speakers like can you please not tell him and like and it's just like 
that says everything for you about what the relationship with with couples is like. Because yeah. like these people came over to our house for drinks and we're playing records, and then now we're doing speaker recommendations. And obviously, you don't have that connection with every single person you shoot. And sometimes it's not possible. Also, sometimes you have that connection for a day or a week or whatever, but yeah. you just you don't see each other again because the couple lives in Cyprus and I live in fucking New Zealand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the I think the big thing is that like that's the level of heart engagement in a day if you want to tell the stories of people. Like you know, and and, and I'm absolutely fine for it not to be like that for lots of people because I know that I have an enormous heart and I, I have a sense of empathy mm-hmm. for people which is very strong. But there's like there's that Annie Leibovitz thing where she's just like if you if you wanna if you want to take a great portrait you have to you have to fall a little bit in love with the person. You yeah, fall, you know, and it's it's, it's so completely true. Now, the last time I looked, a fucking chocolate fountain isn't falling in love with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Can, Can I, you believe that we la- we landed that? We somehow landed that back to the chocolate fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you are talented, sir. Well, you know, I did ask I, I did ask that question, and this is a really bad interviewing technique, right? I assumed that's what your answer was going to be because you assumed all of that. I I assumed <laughs> all of that, and I also knew he was going to tie it back to the chocolate fountain. <laughs> no, well, but like, chocolate but like, I I felt that way too. And uh, actually, going back to to old clients or old couples, I should say, clients. So, um, we just it, was it last night, Greg? Was it last night we got um, contacted oh, from the ten? This we shot this wedding ten years ago, and they never bought the kind of shorter version of the film that we did for them. And we were just talking about their wedding, and it was so clear as day to me, like ten years ago. Oh, you know, we we're joking around in the morning. Oh, they had the sports car. Oh yeah, remember that time you jumped in the back and you went down the motorway without a seatbelt? And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that was so bloody good fun. And it was like it was still early days, but I just I remembered so many moments from that wedding. It was. It's just like what you were saying, like building that kind of relationship with your clients. Obviously, it, like you said, it doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, it's it's, uh, it's also like that. I think the heart, the heart. I mean, you know, I mean, we have these this ridiculous, I don't know, whatever Western idea of emotion happening in the heart and thinking mm. happening in the head. But you know, like, like your your emotional memory for things is very, very, is very, very strong. You know, yeah. And linked to, you, I mean, you just think about your old factories has smells bring mm-hmm. back the thing how how the soundtrack, you know, brings 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 back the thing. And yet I, I, I think often in our visual storytelling we we not deny some of those things, but we just kind of ignore them, you know. And it's like mm. um if you ever think about, you know, like oh, I mean I do I do a lot of long driving, a lot of long drives around mm-hmm. the country. Um especially post COVID, like just not really enjoying the flying experience, dirty people, mm-hmm. um, and and being happy to being happy to drive. And the beauty of driving, even if you're driving eight hours, is that you can stop and get a pie, um, mm-hmm. oh glory, a pie, um, whenever you want. But um, pies are a big thing in our country. The meat pie. Oh, oh, you're talking to two oh, Scottish dudes right here. It's classic. Hey, pie, have you ever had a haggis pie? Get yourself a haggis oh. pie, my man. Get yourself a haggis pie. <laughs> Macaroni what, pie. What is a pie if not a haggis encased in pastry? Is it, is it not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, say, exactly. no, say no more. Exactly. I don't even know where it's going. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, like so, I, you know, you drive, I, I drive a lot and I listen to I listen to heaps of music and it's just like, man, sometimes I just need to, if you drive on your own, I need to be very careful of how emotive 
like musicers for me, you know, yeah. um, because yeah. you, you'll find that you just suddenly go down the down the down the rabbit hole of this thing, and, and your heart's feeling all sorts of stuff, and you're seeing the lights a certain way, and the landscapes a certain way, and you're moving, and you're operating machinery, and you're all these things, and so you're just like, oh my, is it raining? Why is my face wet? It must be, oh, the, I'm inside a vehicle. It must be I'm leaking out of my eyes. What's happening here? <laughs> you know, um, and it's 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 all of those things. Like the, the, like music, music is such a powerful like thing and and so mm. if you ask me if you ask me a question about a subject after i've been listening to megadeth versus after i've been listening to you know big thief for example like mm-hmm. you're going to get two very different answers and it, it's i i think it's you know it, it's the same thing if you ask me if you ask me a question after like i've been in the kitchen like cooking onions um versus after i've like just just walked past someone who wore the perfume of my first girlfriend when i was like you know whatever mm-hmm. like there's, there's two very different answers you know yeah. like your heart your heart is operating your emotions are operating at this level and you forget that like as a visual artist the same thing you're mm-hmm. doing the same thing you know and so of course you you know if you can remember what what your first girlfriend's perfume smelled like at high school or you can remember what it what it smelled like to, to, to be in your granddad's caravan on holiday somewhere while he was frying up onions or whatever um you know um just after you caught your first fish to get all these things like you remember it like your heart remembers it your emotions remember it immensely why would you not expect that you're going to have the same memory of this beautiful emotive moment that you told the story of and you shot the frame of and you curated and edited it mm-hmm. in a way that it was all of that emotion of this once in a lifetime thing was packaged up in in a 30 image blog post or whatever you know of, of course you're going to be able to sit down and be like i remember i can visualize I can see the image. I can see the thing that I edited. I can see the thing that I shot. I can see what the light was like. I can feel it. I can sense it. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so potentially than the people that you shot it for, you know, because you live with it. You yeah. lived with it and went through that process. Um, I don't even know what this has got anything to do with anything. What I'm saying though is that on this in this this room, analog mindset is like a big thing, and that's a fucking analog mindset as fuck. Like you're talking about how your heart remembers things and how your heart experiences things. Which is fucking analog AF. Yeah. Um, so that 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 was kind of the reason why I assumed about the your answer to the chocolate fountain because I, I've heard you talk about and and I don't know if you coined the phrase the fan economy, but I you know you, you've got this history with being in bands. Um, can, like, can you explain what a fan economy is for people who might not have heard oh, that before? Like, it, like it's it, I mean it's the the difference between it's like um. What's the, what's the easiest way without me getting on a massive, you know, three-hour rant to do this? Um, <laughs> it'll probably happen anyway. No, of course it will. <laughs> um, no, it, like, like the, the idea is like a, a product, you know, someone who like um, – someone who just like, like, you know, does the maths on buying a product, you know, um, is – here's the thing. Think about, think about someone – fans are irrational. You can bank that statement. Fans are fucking irrational, irrational as. And you have a think about like everyone's a fan of something. You know, you guys will be you guys will be obsessive, ridiculous fans of a thing. You know, and you might be the most rational, accountant-minded, careful decision-making whatever's about you know ninety nine percent of your life. But there'll be something that you are fucking nuts for, that you are irrational as fuck for. Um, and you know the 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 easiest way to think about it. I mean, music's a very easy way to think about it, you know. 
um, you have a think about someone who who would, you know, their favourite band, like who was the soundtrack to their summer, you know, like 10 years ago, and then they split up, gets back together, and they're playing a festival in New York, and you live in LA, and, um, you know, and all, all of the flights have been cancelled or whatever, and you get your friends together, and you pack them in a van, and you drive through the night across the country, 4,400 and something kilometres, um, and you get to this, like, festival, and you, you know, you see the show, you buy all the merch, you do all the stuff, you 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 try and figure out how you can get yourself in the lift, you know, with the band and do the same thing. You Like, it's fucking irrational because these, like, that music has somehow written itself, like, on your heart, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like this this crazy heart feeling around you know, around this kind of stuff. Um, and, it, and it means that, 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 your, that your attachment to that band and to their music and to what it makes you feel and to what it brings back for you and, and your heart memory of it is nothing to do with money. Yeah. And it's everything to do with the, the experience. And often when you're talking about um, selling a product or, you know, like how capitalism works, you know, you like, <laughs> We you, you, we do this thing. How capitalism works? Just how's that from massive fucking statement? Just throw out there. <laughs> how capitalism works? Um, no, like what 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 you're doing is is is, is, is this kind of like you know pros and cons kind of way of deciding about buying a product. Like what are the benefits and how much does it cost and all this kind of thing. And tell me you know and what do you offer versus what this person offers and all this sort of stuff. You know, um, which we, we we do we naturally do as humans like twenty times a day when we're making all sorts of decisions about stuff, and, and that, which is all well and good, which is fine. It was a great decision-making process. But when you're a fan of something, it's a whole fucking other game. Like, it's a completely different thing. You're talking about how a thing makes you feel. You're talking about how you, you know, when, when you're a fan of a band, for example, or you're a fan of a, I don't know, whatever, you know, like, I'm, I'm into, like, I'm, I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I'm into fly fishing, mm-hmm. but, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a big way. And, um, you know, like you, you, be, you become a fan of a, of a company who makes a certain thing, you know, and there's, mm-hmm. there's a guy working in the shed milling a piece of aluminium to make a part for a reel somewhere. That's like, and the cost of it and the hassle of getting it is completely ridiculous. There's no point in this thing. It's too heavy. It's not. It doesn't even do its job very well. You know, um, it, it's, it's too expensive. Um, the dude who makes it never replies to emails. You've got to send him a postcard. You know, with a reference to a carrier pigeon that's going to bring a thing to do a thing, like all this sort of stuff. But there's, there's there's something about being being a fan of of someone's story and what they do that makes you just say, I have to have this part to put on this reel. It's essential to me. And then, you know, when someone's like, how much did that cost you? You're just like, it doesn't matter. Don't ask me. Stop, remind me. Stop talking about, you know, I'm just, you know, you're, <laughs> for some reason, you have built this connection to this person, to this product, to this thing, which is like a, like an, a heart connection, which is a fan connection, mm-hmm. um, which is the complete opposite of just the pros and cons of regular economic decision making, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the way the fan economy works is that, like, um, you know, you can, as, as a as an artist, you know, um, as a as a visual artist, you know, as someone who, who documents people's people in love, like, you can either set yourself up to be someone who is just a, you know, we offer this service, we do this thing, and and you make the decision about us based on the pros and cons of like 
whatever way you want to distill the quality of the work and what the package looks like and what the cost is. Or, um, you know, like most artists, you just, you build fans. You, you, you make work in a certain way that makes people who are like you feel something and opens up a part of their heart and turns on a part of their heart and turns on a part of their brain and their experience, which just says, holy fuck, I don't know what it is, but that's a bit of me. Hell yes. And when the time comes that that person has found their other person and they're like, I need this story told, they're just like, that is the only, that's the person for me to do it. That's the work that I want to look like. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And and that, you know, when you've made that connection with someone, that person isn't like, how much does it cost? That person is just like, can you be here? Yeah. Yeah. Get get here. What I don't, Whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. Just get here, you know? Um <laughs> And it's it's a completely different and 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 some people you know it would be easy for someone to go like yeah get here at any cost no cost not even in it it's not even a thing of like this is a way it's not like this is a method to charge more money no it's just like it's just a completely different thing it's a completely different way of making work for someone who is a huge fan of like what of what you do because it's just like hey do whatever you want do your thing just come and be and do and make the stuff you know. Um, be in the room when the things happen. It's like it's everything to do with access. It's everything to do with, you know, being given the respect to do whatever you need. It's everything to do with, you know, it is a little bit to do with budget. But it's 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 it's, it's all of these things which are, are the beautiful irrationality of fans, yeah. which means that you can make great work, you know. Yeah. Um, if someone's listening to the podcast and they're thinking, I want my tribe out there to be fans if they've got some passive followers or people who are just interested in the work, how can they convert them or how do they find people who are going to be their fans and have that irrational mindset? Man, like here's the gig, right? If you're making if you're making fetish generic work that could be made by anyone, um, then you're never going to get fans. It's like the difference in, like in a fan economy is between, for example, listening to David Bowie's like Let's Dance um, you know, on the twelve inch recording, preferably at half speed, which is kind of real creepy. Um, or <laughs> listening to like listening to fucking gen- like generic elevated music, you know, in like a high rise as you're going up in a mall. Like that's the complete difference between work that someone can be a fan of and work that is just who knows who the fuck made that and who cares and you'll never remember it again in your life. And um, like if, if you if you want to make fans, you have to make work that people can be fans of. That is the bottom line. And it can be quite a harsh reality of looking at your work to go, could you know, could I be a fan of this? Is this something I could be obsessive about? You know, um, and more often than not, the answer is 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 no. And the heaps of that is because of what you're feeding yourself, of who you're hanging around, of of what you're aspiring after, of of the stuff that you're chasing, of what you think success looks like. You know, do you make work like other people make? Um, because it looks like other people are getting heaps of work, you know. Um, you make work that you see uh, that you look looks like what you've seen on blogs, you know, because you're just like that's that's the work that people get hired to make, you know. Um, all these kind of things. It's, it's all of the things of figuring out the long, slow journey of the kind of work that you and only you can make, which which comes out of not just what you're feeding yourself visually and what and, and the sort of person you are, but it comes out of like the journey that you take, you know, of the people who are around you, of having friends who just are like, hey, you're making great work and you're going to turn to shit. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like everyone needs a friend like that or preferably three or maybe seven, you know, always odd numbers. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like that, 
the bottom line. If you want people to be fans of your work, you have to make work that someone can be a fan of. And it's really helpful to like move away from whatever discipline you're in, which you know for us is the visual thing. For me, it's taking photographs for you guys, making films, and just look at a different look at a different genre, look at a different discipline. Um, you know, look look at look at something where you can really plainly see the difference between generic bullshit and something that's just absurdly you know, <laughs> absurdly obsessive that you can be like, holy fuck, this, this is off the chart, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's the difference between, between generic pop, like pop music and, and something that's something that's, that's, that's crazy. And it, and it doesn't have to be super popular. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, um, have a think. I mean, everyone's had an experience with seeing a band or an artist on a small stage at a festival, or in like, or stumbling on them. You know, you've got everyone's got your story of stumbling on them in a weird club when you're on the road somewhere, and you decide to go to a show, and you walk into a room, and there's no one in there. And they, like this happened, this happened to like me in London like a bunch of years ago. I think we were like we were there shooting, and we had like a crazy busy like bunch of like bunch of shoots like in the UK, and um, we were camped out camped out like in a weird just within sight of like the the what's the Arsenal Stadium, the Emirates or something? Like yeah, oh, yeah. Arsenal. Terrible terrible team. I hate football anyway, but I especially hate <laughs> Arsenal. Um and isn't that what you do? That's what you do, right? Yeah. Um and, <laughs> and um yeah and and it was just we just had to get out of this tiny this tiny little apartment. Um and like Sophie and I went down the road and like as we're walking down the road, like going looking to get something to eat or whatever, and just like breathing in the horrifically not clean air of that part of London, um, scrolling through like an event finder I've just found on my phone, and it's just like whoa! It's like Sharon Van Eden's playing at this like place that's right here that we're out the front of. What the fuck? And I just got, um, I just you know, like haven't been in the music industry. I just got like um, been sent a comp copy of um, Epic of like her, one of her, her first kind of like, not really a record. It's like an EP, I guess with a couple of tracks. And I've been like, Whoa, this, 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 this shit's amazing. This is probably like 2010 or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, yeah, then we just basically like turned right into the venue, paid like five quid, go down some stairs and here's Sharon Van Eden with her band um, ripping up that EP that I just listened to. And, she was insane and there was no one there and it was like what just what just happened which then led led me on a life like a, on a journey of you know a 10 year journey of being an obsessive fan um obsessive fan having seen her so many times having been in a, been, been in a you know like had a had a great been in a great band in, in, in new york and um you know just after we've been signed to like a you know a, a pretty great label having sharon van eden come along to to a show and stand right down the front, you know, chewing on like a, on like a cinnamon toothpick and then handing one up, you know, like to the band and everyone in the band being like, holy fuck, look down, look down, look at the front, look at the front. It's Sharon Van Eden. Like what? You know, like to, you know, to like, to, to collecting all the records, to like going out of my way to see her play in all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, like um, all the, all of these things, and suddenly you're just like, oh, and, and her music has been the soundtrack of so many road trips and so many, I don't know, so, so many things, so many, like, you know, like, we 
dark moments when you suddenly find yourself putting on, or maybe the moments are actually quite light, and you put on Sharon and they turn dark because, you know, it's kind of her vibe, you know, <laughs> all, all this sort of stuff. But it, that's what turns you into a fan. And, and it starts out with this moment of walking, walking into a place at some stage and having this experience. And, yeah. um, and it, starts, it starts you kind of on this journey. As opposed to scrolling through a, an, an event and going, tonight I am going to go out uh, and see a band, and I want to know who's going to get me the most bang for buck, who has the most who has the most street cred, the most hits, and the most thing. Like, a very, very different experience. Once yeah. you start, you want an entirely different thing. I don't even know what I'm rambling about now. But <laughs> that, that's the thing. So, so if, yeah. if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, how do I get, how do I become, um, how, you know, how do I get fans? You know, like, like it's natural to think of someone who's got a huge profile. It's natural to think of someone who's got it going on, who's got a bunch of hits, who's like, yeah. But it's it's not. It's about someone who discovers your work and just goes, holy fuck, like that that just that woke me up. That just woke my heart up. That shook me awake. That was amazing. I don't care. I, I would have the same experience if there was 10,000 people into this person or just one person. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's like that's that's a bit of me. That feels amazing. Um mm. Yeah, that's that's the experience. But I think that that's the gig. It's like you have to have an honest conversation with yourself to be like, if you want, if you want people to be fans of your work, you have to make work that they can be fans of. Yeah, and that is not like in our game. There is that is not a lot of work. <laughs> There's not <laughs> a lot of people's work that yeah. you can look at in the wedding game and go, I know who I know who that is. I know who made that. Um, which is not to say there's not a lot of good work. There's a lot of incredible work. The production values get higher and higher year in and year out, you know. The execution gets higher and higher. The 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 stuff that the tech that people are using gets gets better and better. But everything gets better. Everything yeah. everything looks better. It looks just constantly is improving and, and the look of it, the production values of it are incredible. But but there is very little stuff where the story is amazing where you just go, Holy shit, like look at look at Look at that. It's like, um, I mean, you guys are filmmakers, you know, it's like yeah. you know, Roger, Roger Deakins, you know, like you look at how Deakins uses light, you know, um, you could, you could, you could look at a scene that was lit by, lit by Deakins and shot by Deakins, um, whether it was on an iPhone or on a fucking Ari, you know, and you'll be like Deakins, hello, all day long. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, that, so that, that's the thing. You, know, you can be a fan of that guy because he has a look. He has a thing that he does. He has a, he has a way of doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're a fan of Lynch or not, you can, you can, you can appreciate <laughs> Lynch because you're just like, what the fuck? What? what? If you're watching a thing and you find yourself going, sorry, what? What? You're like, oh, it must be David Lynch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's, 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 it's the same thing. with There's, there's so many visual artists. There's so many photographers. There's so many, you know, who, who, who's, whose fingerprint whose signature is as distinctive as hearing Bowie's voice come out of your speakers. Um, mm. But there, there isn't, there isn't a lot, I mean, just to be bold, there isn't a lot of that in, in the wedding game because, you know, like it, it does often reward, or not reward, um, but there's a lot of generic stuff where it's beautiful, but mm. you don't know who made it. You know, and it's very hard to be a fan of something which yeah. is the same as everything else. You know, it's very hard to be a fan of, I'm a big fan of potato chips, of crisps, very big fan, um, but only of a certain a certain flavors and certain, the crunch has to be right, the thickness, everything about this is right, you know. And there's a fuck ton <laughs> of potato chips on the market. You go into the supermarket to buy potato chips, and I'm just straight to, there's only two, there's only two kinds that I'll buy, straight to those. And there's about 300 different kinds in there. It's just like, no one wants any of these. <laughs> Take them off the shelf. Shelf, remove them immediately. Over here, 
these are the ones that I can be a fan of, you know? And what I'm are the ones? Epic. What are the ones? What are the ones? Okay, well, there's, listen, I, if you're prepared to go deep. So there, there's a, so in the States, um, Trader Joe's, familiar? Yes. Trader Joe's, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Trader Joe's make a salt and pepper chip, which is what, spicy, yes, comes in a very, very, very typical American, very large bag. Mm-hmm which is appealing um, because obviously you can't close the bag. You eat the whole fucking pack of chips, but they are <laughs> so crunchy that you will damage your mouth. Like they're so thick uh. and shards of them are so The crunch is so intense that you will hurt yourself. Like you are, it's like you're teetering carefully balanced on the very edge of like a glacier as it like buckles with like, crazy, sharp, ridiculous ice, and you know that this is exhilarating, but also death awaits. Yeah. That's what eating those chips is like. Now, friends of ours in the States used to send me those bags of those chips. Like, some, you know, someone's prepared to spend $50 to ship you a $3 bag of chips. You know they love you. Wow. Um, now, just recently here in this nation, Aotearoa, New Zealand, someone has begun to make a chip that has the same potential for pain as the Trader Joe's. It's called snack a changi. 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 There you go. Hot tip. Also, mm. proper crisps. Another great, another great local mm. New Zealand chip maker. Not quite as brutally crunchy, but very delicious. I can be a fan of the proper crisp. Let me tell you. Yeah. You can. You know. Listen. Here's here's the thing. Based on crisps. Based on crisps. Because um, I'm a big fan of the proper crisp. Crisp. Um, <laughs> Uh, salt and vinegar, of course. Classic. Um, classic. Um, yeah. Well, they call it, they call it dill pickle and vinegar, but let's be honest, it's just like it's salt and vinegar, people. Yeah. Um, you can see a stranger with a packet of dill pickle and vinegar, proper crisps, in the street, and you can walk up to them and be like, now that is a great chip, and they will immediately be like, yes, it is. Do you want one? Also, tell me all about it. You know, like that's when you know you're a fan. When you find someone else who's a fan of the same thing, that's when you just go, "Holy fuck!" Like the mm-hmm. Venn diagram of fandom has brought us together. Um, that is a special. That's a special bond right there. It's a special moment. Definitely. It's a special moment. Definitely. In the street, in the street, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a, a Q and A reminder to our uh, Clubhouse listeners. Thank you for joining us live. You can listen to this Q and A again if you are a member of our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash perspective by cinemate and you can get access to all the q a's and everything that we do for every podcast there is another sponsor of the show so greg should we just hit that button with jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives whether you provide a service like design development or photography or offer advice to clients with jack is for you it's focused on creatives Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so with Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered, and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms are faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service, it's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. And we're back. Thank you oh, very much oh. for that. 
be, be a confident creative, guys. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, it's funny. Like uh, that is a we we call it a sponsorship read, but that's just our friend um, Ashley's company. She doesn't give us any money for this, but her the way that she talks about insurance <laughs> is unreal. Like I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I I want to get talking more about photography. I want to talk about influences about shooting authentically. In fact, let's let's start with that because it is like you said it's it's really hard to be authentic in a world that just blasts you with so much images. I'm just going to jump in actually. If I remember right, I think it was at way up north in Cannes, someone told us a story and I think it was you they were talking about. Someone stood up and said about said something about who in the room has been to all the museums in Cannes while they're here for this event? And nobody in the room had put their hand up. And yeah, like, was that you that said that? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought so. Well, that so that came that came from um, that came from like like probably a year before being in being in New York and um, oh, what was her name? Janet? Oh, I can't can't remember. Um, oh, mental blank. This is what happens when you when you when you get older. Um, <laughs> Oh, I can't even think of like what her. So, um, le- leg- legendary now, le- legendary. Um, obviously not that legendary. Now, legendary like um, Berkeley, Berkeley University, like um, fine art photography, like lecturer. Um, and she had, she had been like back in the day, like she was in, um, you know, like in the sort of late sixties, early seventies. She had been in San Fran shooting everything on a rolly, um, which is why I sort of found her work, you know, squares shooting squares um, on film. And she had she had a friend who worked for like some big courier company and they needed her to take, they needed someone who was broke <laughs> her, to take like documents to New York uh, on a flight, wait around for the return flight and come home, you know. So she would fly into, fly into New York, bring a sheaf of documents, and then she'd have like three or four hours up her sleeve. And she would, and this this is when New York was like broken down, you know, broken as fuck, like horrific, you know, like washed up city, not not the gentrified, like cleaned up piece of crap that it is now, but it, you know, it was like a, it, shit was going on, you know, yeah. um, and and she she would just like shoot like a bunch of roles in those few hours, and then fly back to San Fran, um, and go back to being student, and. She just she did it. She did it like every week for like for, for ages. And she says she has this document, this beautiful document of New York from this time, and it was just like just remarkable. All shot on you know on on color film, and it's like it's glorious. And um, so she was at this you know a friend who runs this workshop. He was like, hey, who, who should I get? Like, is there someone that no one will know that I can get? And I was like, oh, can you track down this woman for me? Like, I'm obsessed with her, and um, and. Like Ryan tracked her down, got her to come on to the thing, and um, she was she's like a, like a genius. She actually like gave me, we were in the green room, and she like she came up to me. She's like, I understand you, you know, very really beautiful, like older. I mean, you know, she's probably like you know late sixties. I understand you are the reason why I'm here. I'd like you to have a copy of my book, and I'm dying, and so I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like she's like, do you want me to write? Do you want me to write a message in the front of her? I was like, yes, please. She's like, what do you want me to write? I'm like, can you write that I'm your greatest inspiration? And so she wrote it at the front of this book, which I've still got in our book in our bookshelf, which I opened. But then every time I show it to someone, I obviously have to do it as kind of to be like, I made her write that because clearly I'm not her greatest inspiration, just in case. Like, you know, that's kind of just, yeah. But then you've destroyed the gag already. But, um, 
No, she she was at um, – this is all just to say that I didn't invent the still tank account because it was like, I was so blown away by what she did. This. Um, she, she, she finished off her talk at this workshop and she said, um, we're in New York, and um, – you know, she's like, oh, I'm, well, I've got, I've got one extra day here, um, you know. And she was just like, who's, um, who's been to see, you know, like she's like, who's been to see the Diana Arbus retrospective, like, uh, you know, the Met Brow, Met Brow. Who's been to, the, who's gone to this gallery? Who's gone to see this work? Who's gone? I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go and meet this person who I've never met before, who's like a legendary artist, but I've like annoyed them for like three months to be able to keep go and have a coffee with them. And then I'm going to be doing this, and I'm going to this gallery, and I'm doing this thing, and these are all things that are on, and I'm putting all of this remarkable input in me, and it just left me going like, holy shit! Like I thought I'd been good by going to two exhibitions, you know. Um, but it was just like, wow, like she's, she's insatiable. She's taken this opportunity to see some fresh stuff and see some new stuff. And so when we were in Calm, like I remember like just being in the green room and, and all of the people who were speaking and talking about, you know, I, I mean, holy, like on the Riviera, there are some insane museums. There's some incredible art history. Um, there's some pretty incredible stuff to go see. And it was just like, you know, uh, you, all these people have flown from around Europe to come to this place, you know, and they're sitting in a darkened room forced to listen to me. And you're just like, hey, after this is done, like, who's like hitting this thing up? And I honestly thought, I actually stupidly honestly thought that maybe it wouldn't be as dead as it was, but it was dead as fuck. It was oh. just like, no one, no one. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I just started listing museums and listing things. Who's been here? been here for a week who's been to these places who's done this stuff you know yeah. and it was just like you you know this like you, you don't need to just absorb what comes off the stage like you can you can go out <laughs> into the world here and do this thing but yeah I, you know all of that to just say it's it, it's it's it illustrates the thing that, that that it's we don't take we often don't take control of mm-hmm. our creative diet for ourselves yeah you know we, we take whatever flows down that whatever we're scrolling through, whatever flows down the line to us, whatever comes down the tap of here's what everyone's looking at, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, I mean, don't get me started on creative diet, you know, like you are what you eat. Holy fuck. You yeah. are absolutely what you eat. Like you, you, you put out your output is a worse version of what you put in, you know, mm-hmm. like in, there's so many, so many, you know, like you, like if you don't like your output, change your input. So, so many bloody yeah. little phrases and things that we can throw out, but they're all absolutely deathly true. Mm-hmm. Um, that that you are, you know, you are just a result of what you what you feed yourself and what you put into yourself. And the sooner you take control of that, the sooner you get a better result. The sooner you get a result which is more you. The sooner you start making, like we're talking about fan work. The sooner you start making work that is that someone can be a fan of. Like the sooner you start figuring out the very unique combination of all the things that you're, you're putting into yourself visually and, and, but you're not just visually, but you know, like if you're a photographer, yes, photography, but like looking at, looking at films and, and looking, looking at light and looking and listening to music and, and the kind of friends you have and the things that you're talking about and issues that you're talking about and understanding how people's hearts work and, and watching people in love and seeing how they are and how they operate and seeing the different kinds of it and being a student of human beings in a beautiful way. Like all of these things, if you put them into you, you know, in, in a very deliberate, measured way, mm. um, you know, you will get a result in your work, in your art, and how you operate and what you do, which will see you making work that no one fucking else can make. And if you're making something that no one else can make, um, I guarantee you, you're making work that someone can be an obsessive fan of. You know, yeah. it's the, that is the opposite of generic. Mm-hmm. You know, and so 
all it really takes is for you to start to monitor and understand your creative diet, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, to, 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 no, I was just, I was just going to say that actually ties in quite nicely to what I was going to ask you because you once said, and I can't even remember where, that might be on your blog, get calibrated, feed yourself, nudge your dials, look at why you think and feel and love the things you do because inspiration is far too important to be put in the hands of an algorithm. Oh, yeah. I just, I just, when, when I saw that, I was like, I have, to, I have to read that out to people because you can be told these things, but sometimes, you know, you, you kind of just need to put, put it into action to change your creative diet, you know, to, yeah, e- even just discover new shit. I love discovering new shit and you're all, it's like tying it back into music, you know, it's like, oh, they don't release any good music anymore. Like, well, that's what, you're only saying that because you were connected to, you know, the genre of music that, you know, you were having your big life moments to. But, like, you can have that feeling again to music if you just go out and discover music with moments. And, ah, yeah. But Quick, quick, quick dial back. Um, yep. The Janet I was talking about, Janet Delaney, it just took me ages to, like, you know, we used, you're sitting here going through A, B, C, Yeah. Um, yeah, Janet, Janet Delaney her, and her, her work. Yeah, you need to see when you see her work, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but like, like, like the the thing of you know, huh, like the the thing of like of leaving your diet up to someone else is just is absurd. But it's actually it's what we all do, you know. Like the, mm-hmm. the amount of what what is it? It's like your average your average human being gets something like 20,000 visual messages a day, like from, from the digital devices. That's a fuck ton of visual messages. And I guarantee that you, you hardly decided on any of them, you know, yeah. that they were all fed for you and given to you and passed down to you. But it's, it's the thing of like, you, you are like, um, you think like you think and you are like you are um, not by accident, but by a whole bunch of things that have been fed into you by, by the records that your parents love to listen to by, you know, the belief system that you grew up in, by the culture that you grew up in, by the neighborhood where you are, by all of these things. And they're all accidental things that have had this massive effect on you. Yeah. And some of us like who we are and some of us don't. But either way, it's, it's, it's just been a deliberate bunch of inputs that have made you think like you think and want to mm-hmm. make the work that you want to make, you know. Um, but at some stage, you realize that it stops being accidental and you take charge of it, you take control of it. Like you might have wanted to be a photographer because like you were – uncle had like a photo book of something of you know sebastian of salgado that sat on his like you know his dining room table that he let you look at every time you know to his place you know mm-hmm. um and that might be the thing well you just figure out that was the thing so then start feeding yourself a diet of salgado start feeding yourself a diet of something else sometimes i, I think the easiest thing to do with with understanding how your creative diet works um you know, because you hear these tropes, these these big phrases like, you know, if you don't like your input, change your, if you don't like your output, yeah. change your input, like, you know, yeah, what you eat. And you're just like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. You, you, you're still faced with like the immense avalanche of content that you have to look at every day. You don't have to look at, but you know, that, that you are looking at, that you're in here. Yeah. Um, that, that the monster on the internet stands over you with a whip and says, look at this. No, um, but you, you, no, but it's, it's in fact, the easy, the easiest way to get, to get a read on it, the easiest thing to do is rather than try and figure out what to feed yourself, is to just stop the flow and feed yourself one thing. Like, stop the fucking flow, you know? Um, like, get, go by yourself. If you're a photographer, I, I, this is what I love doing. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying this is the thing. Like, just do one action for a month. Go buy yourself a photo book, like something classic that you love. Stephen Shaw's Uncommon Places, personal faith. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, and and deliberately have that be your visual inspiration for a month. Work your way through that book until you're so sick of it, until you can't even look at it anymore, and you kind of break through and suddenly see a whole bunch of other stuff. Have see whatever your time is in the day before you get your mind gets cluttered. It might for me it's the morning. You know, don't look at any screens in the morning. Get up and get up early. Sit with your coffee and look through this book for carve out twenty minutes. You know, before your kids wake up, or before whatever, or you know, whatever. There's a window. There's a window somewhere. There is. You know, yeah. um, and 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 it might be ten minutes. It might be seven minutes. It might be half an hour. Who knows? But just give yourself that one thing, and decide that this is that all the other stuff that you're seeing through the day is just whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. It might be communication. It might be, you know, use use Instagram to just message the people that you communicate with if you want and just ignore the shit that scrolls down through the thing. But just give yourself this one book every day for 20 minutes, say, for a month and see what happens to your work. Yeah. Let's- and we, I, I, I promise you that you will suddenly go, holy fuck. It's like... It's like someone, it's like you, you've told yourself, you know, like who doesn't want abs? You know, it's like you've told yourself like, oh, I want, you know, like I'd, I'd, I'd love to get abs, but I'm never going to get abs. And then someone is just, you get a, you get a, a personal trainer who says, I will do 100 crunches with you every morning for the next month and we will only eat this. And you're like, oh, okay. And then at the end of the month, you're like, holy fuck, I've got abs. What happened? Like we well, did this, you dipshit, you know, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, and so, and so it's just like, and so once you discover that, you're like, wait a sec, if I did, if I did that for a month and got this, what if I did more? What, if, what what's the next book? Have, you know, something you, you know, you, you find, you find your work doing a certain thing and it's just based on what you, how you, how, how you calibrate yourself, how you, how you see light. I mean, I, I get infuriated when, when, in a nice, in a kind way, you know, in a kind way, obviously, but still fucking infuriated. Like when when people are like they've got a question for you at a you know in a, in a Q and A or at a workshop or a whatever thing that you're doing, and they ask you about post production. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, how do you you know tell me about post? How do I get my stuff to look like this? And you're just like, well, it's nothing to do with like post, and it's everything to do with how you see light or how you use light or how you see people, you know, how you understand how moments work. How you, you know, how you shoot this thing? How how ready and prepared you are for this or for that? Or for, you know, it's like it's just nothing to do with that, with the final one percent of output of the art making process, and it's everything to do with the other ninety nine percent of the input. Yeah. You know, of, of of how you've designed yourself, of how you see stuff, of how you work and use light. Story like story on that, like. Like when I first started shooting like film, like you know, I scored this all. Went around to in music days. Went around to this friend's place who had an amp for me, you know. And we'd go out into his garage. He's got this crazy old vintage amp. So like, oh, you, you know, take that, cool, cool, cool. And then sitting like up on the shelf in the garage next to it was this old like fucking rolly cord, um, and this old leather thing. He's like, oh, you're in cameras, like so have that too. I was like, oh, okay, sweet. What is it, you know? Um, and then started shooting, started shooting like. You know, heaps of media for me. So didn't have a light meter, <laughs> and so you just learn Sunny Sixteen. And because I'm an idiot, I don't go too deep in Sunny Sixteen. I'm just still at the sixteen level, you know, which is just shooting in full sun, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and and the lenses on that on that rolly are, are really low contrast. So if you want to see like dark shadows, you've kind of got to be like you've got to go find 
ruthless light with really dark shadows. Now, the beauty of being in New Zealand is that our light is fucking like ruthless, you know. <laughs> so um, no problems there. And so I suddenly start shooting medium format stuff like and shooting in a certain light that I can meter for because I'm stupid um, and don't have a meter and can't figure out Saint 16. So sh- only shooting brutal light and shooting it only where I see hard, hard shadows because I love like the shadow contrast and the rolling lenses need brutal light to get nice looking dark shadows um and i just start learning to shoot this stuff on this camera and it's only because of that harsh light vibe that suddenly you start shooting the same light you start seeing light in the same way and shooting it digitally and then you start doing it on a wedding day with couples with people and it turns into a look and before you know it you feed yourself this diet and this practice of doing a thing a certain way for whatever reason you know yeah. um for me it was just because i because i could only meter a certain way so it only looked for a certain light and then suddenly you start seeing that light everywhere and operating in that way that you see and that you use the light in the same way and suddenly it's just like i'm fucking lost when the light's beautiful you know southern california la even as fuck everywhere i'm like ah oh, shit we, i need some ruthless punch you in the face like this, <laughs> yeah. like, this shit's not working for me <laughs> um but it's, it's the same thing you feed yourself a certain thing before you know it it affects how you see people how you see light how you see and understand like this kind of stuff it's like the thing of understanding um you know like you would think that people who document people in love people like us um, have an incredible understanding of how lovers work, you know, of how a touch works, of how communication works, of, w- of what are the moments that melt people, of what are the moments when they, they drop the connection you're trying to create and they get, they get their own connection. Of, of, I mean, it's so different for everyone, you know, but, but you think that we get really, really good at understanding the cues of lovers and of how hearts work um, and, and, and how that comes out in certain, in certain moments in time, you know, under pressure or when they're left alone. But so many people in our industry have no fucking idea how lovers work. It's mental. It's yeah. insane. And, you know, if there's one skill that you should have, it's understanding how people in love operate and touch each other and walk towards each other and see each other across the room when it's all batshit crazy. You know, because that's, that's if you're paying attention to that, then suddenly you're shooting the stuff which they look back at and they go, oh, that's useless. That's us. You saw us. You see us as well. Like that's the us that we thought was invisible to everyone else. You know, mm, yeah. um, that's that's the same kind of thing. So you feed yourself a diet of lovers. You feed yourself a diet of like seeing how people in love work and of watching, of watching old people in love. You know, it'll be their grandparents who are like snuggling up. Of watching this stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. of being like, oh, that's how it works. Because this is what you do, you know. You 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 document people having this love experience, you know, in front of a whole bunch of other people. In the same way that, like, you know, I became obsessed with a certain kind of light and it started to show up in all of our other work, you know. In the same way that I became with that role, you know, like the, the beauty of doing multiple exposures on a weird old camera, and I suddenly became obsessed with, like, how textures and layers work. You know, and what works and what doesn't work because you're just fumbling around feeding yourself the same thing over and over trying to figure it out. And it mm-hmm. gets inside you and into you and it starts to come out in all sorts of different ways. Like sitting with a bloody, you know, Salgado's Genesis book every morning for 20 minutes for a month until you're so completely sick of seeing black and white photos of penguins in Antarctica. But you suddenly go outside and you see black 
you see black in a way that you haven't seen black before because his, mm. the, the the blacks of how he shoots triacs and that crazy fucking neck, it's all you know it it gets inside you and the easiest way to do it is rather than thinking what's my diet going to be today like if you sat down and said like i'm i'm going to actually eat healthily you know just food like if you've got a terrible diet, I'm going to eat healthily and someone like whips you up. Okay, here's a, we're going to take you from eating fish and chips and fucking deep fried Glasgow pizza and, <laughs> you know, crisps and, and drinking cans of whatever lager. We're going to take you to this. We've got a whole bunch of like raw food over here. You've gone full vegan. You just honestly die. You yeah. just die. But if someone said to you, listen, here's all we need to do so that you don't have a heart attack. We're going to cut out the crisps. I'd be, I'd be heartbroken. But oh, also, yeah. you just go, you go, okay, okay, rather than doing this whole other new thing here, I'll just stop that and I'll just see what happens, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easier to kind of cut, cut shit out than it is to put, put stuff in. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's easier to stop to stop scrolling, to, spend, to think, when do I spend my time? When's my screen time thing on my phone? What does it say? When do I spend my time doing it? Oh, cool. I lie in bed when I wake up in the morning and I scroll through the glory of Instagram, you know. Um, no. What, I, what I'll do is I won't do that, and I'll put a different thing in me instead. You know, it's it's you just figure out you just figure out how you can work your diet. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love talking that. talking about your work. What's your post production workflow? Nah, I'm all joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do a great actual question. <laughs> uh, what? How do you think your background in shooting film and using that Rolly camera and shooting in analog? How do you think that's helped your art? Oh, like enormously, like, you know, like we talk about, you know, analog processes, analog mindset kind of stuff, you know, and I think it's, it's not, there's nothing magic about the media. There's nothing magic about film, you know, well, actually there are, there's a fuck ton of magic about it, but you know, I mean, it's, it's not like, holy shit, you can shoot this thing digitally and then shoot this thing on film. It's like, whoa, films are me. You know, it's like, no, it's not. It's just fucking, you know, it's, it's just another, it's another, it's another tool, but there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of things about, um, you know, how analog works, which, which travel alongside art in a, in a really in a really beautiful way, mm-hmm. and some of those th- things like constraint, you know, like which is <laughs> such an obvious thing. Like you've got you've got a roll of like in the roll you've got you've got twelve shots on roll, you know, um, and whatever you've got whatever speed you've got loaded into the camera is the speed you're stuck with until you fucking finish that roll, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and 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 you and and it's it's it op- the thing operates in a certain way. There's all these levels of constraint which which actually work really beautifully like mm-hmm. that's how art works art is constrained art is saying you know rather than you can have all the possibility in the world which cripples most people it's just like okay here's the here's here's the constraints talk to any architect you know about the first questions they ask when when a client comes to them to say hey i want to build a site and then what about a house they're just like tell me about the site what can't we do tell me what we can't do so we can figure out what we can do mm-hmm. you know constraint is 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 the speed of thing. But I often talk about constraint with regards to like the idea of sort of firecrackers versus bullets. You know, you take you take a little handful of gunpowder, put it on the table and light it, and it just all makes smoke. Make a little flash and some smoke. No mm-hmm. big deal. Boring. Wrap it up in paper or cardboard but paper, you know, pretty tight. Put a fuse in the end. You've got a firecracker, which is a fuck ton more fun than just a pile <laughs> of smoke, you know. Um, but if you wrap the gunpowder in brass and put a hunk of lead in the end, you've got a bullet, which can fucking change the world and change history and destroy lives or save people or bring freedom or bring whatever, oppression. or Like you've got this insanely powerful thing. And the only difference between a handful of gunpowder on the table that just makes a bunch of smoke that's nothing and someone waging war is constraint. Is yeah. constraining that power 
to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, it's very natural to think that constraint, people telling you, here's the limits, you know, a client says, here's the limits, that that's bad for your art. No, it's fucking fantastic for your art. It does mm-hmm. every, it's every, constraint is everything. Yeah, analog, course. the analog world is about, is entirely about constraint. And the art world is entirely about constraint. These two things go together, like in a, in a really, in a really beautiful, incredible synergy. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, there's, there's so there's so many things, there's so many kind of like analog things that, that that run alongside art, like in a in a beautiful way. But I think, I mean, the the constraint is definitely like a key, is definitely a key one that just people come back to again and again. And often mm-hmm. when they're talking about what they love about, um, you know, about say shooting film, you know, when they talk about oh I love this or I love that or blah blah blah, you know, they're actually talking about constraint. You can boil yep. it down and go, oh, what you love is you love some of the options being taken away from you. That's what you love. Mm-hmm. It actually makes it it makes it easier, you know. Um, and yeah. that's, and, I mean, so, so you you're like earlier you were going to ask me more about film, and that what you've just said is why I found the joy of shooting film, it, and especially black and white. Actually, just taking the color right out of it, you see things totally differently, and like what may have been fearful to take images of suddenly the fear is no longer there you know it's which sounds kind of weird you know like there's so much equipment you can you can get the best images but there's like just so much of it so much equipment so many voices telling you what to do what not to do like you know you you end up shooting with a with a really expensive camera with a you you have endless supply of lenses you can shoot with, you know it's like the paradox of choice that I was talking about. Like that, and this came up was it? It came up last week with Jay talking about the paradox of choice, where you think you have all these things at your fingertips that that all that choice is going to make you really happy, but in actual fact, you know, I I would shoot with like a thirty five, and then I'd be like, oh Greg, I should have I should have I should have used my twenty four should have gone that or should have done this should have done that and even in post like not even being present even after i've taken the shot i am unhappy with what i've gotten just because i might have made the wrong choice or whatever you don't get that with film especially when it's just my nikon f3 and my 50 mil lens and my black and white film that's it it's 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 definitely this i mean people always ask like how i tell better stories at a wedding you know i tell a story better it's just like i'm not Take one lens. Yeah. Stop thinking about your fucking camera and start thinking about the people in front of you. You know, like uh, that would be a good start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's you know yes yes the tool I mean the tools are really important. You know, like making a good choice of of the tools is a certain thing. But like back to that thing, like it, it of of you should be able to like if you can see the story and if you understand people. And you and and you have a good understanding of your tools. You, you know you can shoot you could shoot this stuff on an iPhone and tell a beautiful story. Um, well, which feels a bit cliche to say, but you honestly could. Like yeah. the stories in the stories in you, the skill sets in you, the understanding of people and the understanding of light is in you. There's no magic in your camera. Mm. There's no magic in the system that you're using. Um, you know you you have to find. I mean, people are always like, oh, you know, on the oh, what about this gear? What about this thing? You know, and 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 so and I have. You know, we, we are Canon users and we have represented Canon, you know, as ambassadors heaps and we've talked about the new gear and especially with the R series stuff, you know, which they're still wonderful. Mm-hmm. People are always about, oh, what's your upgrade thing? All this stuff. It's just like, oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't really care that much. Like, I really love, 
I have a couple of old lenses that I really love, you know, um, and I, 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 I'm glad that people get rid of them because I can acquire more and more of them. <laughs> you know, I hope the same for you. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it's it's kind of it's less about that and more about like if if you still you'll know when you find the tools that work for you. So if you're still searching and trying to scratch that itch, then just keep searching until you find a system that works for you. But if you if you feel really happy with the storytelling, if you see the story now and not the gear, then then perfect. Then just stop with that. Don't feel like you have to upgrade anything until you break it. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, this, it's, it's, it's just this thing of being like, oh, you know, see, like, see the, see the story. Don't see you trying to tell the story. Don't see the storyteller. See that. I mean, I even hate the words storyteller. Ugh, the <laughs> use of the word story, but there's no, there is no other better. There's no other fucking, there's no other thing. There's no other word for it. Unless yeah. yet. Um, but it's, yeah, you, you see the people in front of you, you know, um, and whatever it takes, however much gear you have to slowly leave behind until you see, start to see them and you stop thinking about gear choices, then then, then you're away. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I mean, I remember, like, being at a Q&A, Aaron Huey, legendary, you know, like, New York Times slash, you know, um, Nat Geo photographer, does crazy longitudinal, you know, seven-year longitudinal stories mm-hmm. on, you know, like, alcoholism and suicide in Navajo communities in the States, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I this Q and A, and someone asked him, like um, this young dude asked him, oh, like what last the last after an incredible presentation, the last question, the last the last time he's going to speak before we're done, you know, um, and everyone's hanging on every word, and this dude puts his hand up, like oh, what you know, what gear? This is the classic wedding photographer gear gear question. What gear do you what gear do you use? <laughs> and very very graciously, he's he was like, when we just could hear a bunch of us just like sighing, it, like oh, what? That's the question. Um, he was just like, well, you know, he's like, if it's if it's like a fast thing that you've got to shoot, you know, I'll take, I'll take, you know, two bodies and a bunch of lenses, and I'll do this thing, you know, just uh, just answering the kid's question, just being a nice guy. Mm-hmm. But then he's gear changes, just like, but if it's important, if the story is really fucking important, I'll just take one body and a thirty-five mil lens because, like, you know, if the story is important, the tricks can just fuck off. And it was just like, whoa, mic drop. Like, but that <laughs> yes. is completely the thing. Like so many things in your camera bag are just tricks that yeah. you use when you haven't got a story in front of you. They're tricks that you use when you're trying to do something and make something look better than it is. And the easiest way to find when there's a room full of humans in front of you, there is no shortage of stories in front of you. Often the reason why your bag's full of tricks, the reason why you think you need a bag full of tricks is because you've just stopped looking at the people. You've just stopped looking. You know, all you have to do um, is look closer, is have less shit in your bag that when you think, wow, I've got no, I've got no options here. I've got no, I can't see anything going on. I can't see whatever. I can't see what, you know, the first thing you do is like, oh, well, maybe I need a different thing. Maybe I need a different lens. Maybe I need Maybe I need to do something tricky. It's like, no, you just need to learn how people work. You yeah. need to forget about being a photographer and be a fucking great human, you know? Um, there's no doubt that the more you lighten your bag, the better stories you will tell. There's no doubt in my mind. And just slowly leave leave a thing behind, bit by bit by bit, you know, <laughs> until you're taking not much stuff to a shoot and you'll suddenly start to see the world, you know, like, through a 50 mil lens or you'll see the world like through, in, 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 a, through a, in a certain way or in a certain kind of 
thing. Yeah, you you just understand what you what your gear is and what it does really well and what it doesn't do really well. You understand the light that it works really well for. You understand when you see the stuff in front of you that you go, holy fuck, this is it. Like, um, <laughs> good mate, dear friend, Jonas Peterson, like, you know, legendary, legendary dude. Like, um, mm. I remember him saying to, saying to me, we're out running around somewhere and like, he was just like, the light changed in this way. I did, we, it wasn't on a shoot. I don't know what we were doing. But, you know, the light changed to be like this crazy dark background with like a slice of light, like right in front of it, lighting up something. Um, and he was just like, oh, it's in his Swedish accent. Oh, it's my, it's my light. This is my light. You know, I was like, your light. What do you mean your light? And he was just like, you know, um, doesn't talk much often, Jonas, but certainly importantly, he was just like, um, yeah, you don't need to know. You don't need to know much in this game. You just need to know what your light is yeah. and when it shows up, you know. And so it doesn't matter that, like, 300 different kinds of light aren't your light and you don't know how to use it. You just need to know what your light is so that when you look into a room and see it, you're just like, ah, I know what to do with this. I know how to find this. And the more you look for your light, the more you'll find it everywhere you fucking look. The more you'll be like, whoa, my light's everywhere, actually. I can figure out how to use this in a certain way, in a certain place. I can figure out how to find a cut-out slice of ruthless light somewhere. I can figure out how to find, <laughs> you know, how to find, like, light falling across. I mean, I shoot heaps of stuff, like, which – shoot heaps of stuff, which comes from shooting stuff on the rolly, which is, like, someone lit by, you know, lit across the front of them, or lit, like the classic Rembrandt eye triangle kind of thing where the, the, the background falls away to darkness. And the reason why I started shooting that stuff is because when I was when I'm doing multiple exposures, I want to keep some of the – negative unexposed so you can put another layer on right mm. so you're always looking to get to, to get separation um but then what you start to learn like with doing that and doing it digitally as well you know when you're not shooting film you start to learn that that you can find that light everywhere that you can get this beautiful isolation everywhere even if the background's messy as fucking impossible you can get this beautiful isolation that, that makes it disappear mm-hmm. and you make a person who 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 to your to your human eyes is, is in the middle of a messy whatever. You turn them into this beautiful, elegant, you know, being who who is, is, has got poise and grace and you know, in in the middle of nothing, in the middle of a blackness or whatever, you know. And you can find that light everywhere. And and the more you look at that, how that light works to understand, you know, I'm talking about understanding your light, whatever your thing is. The more I've realised, oh, like people. People are really that, – that's complex light. That's complex light that falls away into nothing that has – that you can move an inch forward or an inch backwards and the lights change dramatically, you know, mm-hmm. that it's all of these flavors of light. We always talk about, like, light flowing like water, you know, um, and if you imagine even just window light, light streaming in, bouncing in, like, through a window, that light has traveled, like, from the fucking sun, from the star in the middle of our galaxy, ramped its way through, like, how low – what is that to, like – 300,000 kilometers away or something like that. It takes eight and a half minutes to get here. Yeah. You know, it's a star. It's starlight. And it, it, it flows It flows through the window like water, and it sweeps around. There's turbulence everywhere, and you can figure out how to put someone in a certain place in that kind of light that's falling away that matches who they are and it matches their personality. Like, you know, we're, we're complex people. Human beings live live on the edges of the light, you know, the kind of light, which is just like, he's right in the middle style, you know, like, like light someone up on stage. That's celebrity light. Pe- most people aren't like that. They don't like to be and have a fucking spotlight on them. But, you know, people like live in the shadows and at the edge, the edges of the shadows and at the edges of the light. And you can f- get to know someone and find the personality over the course of a day of shooting someone in love. And you can, I can find that flavor of light 
that's kind of come from a fucking star in the middle of our galaxy and has bounced through a window and has fallen away off in a corner to darkness. And you, you learn who someone is and whereabouts and that light they need to be that feels like them. They look at that image and they just go, shit, that's me. Like, you found me. Yeah. Like, you saw me, you know. And that's, I don't even know how we got onto that. But that, you know, that, that's fucking magic that, the way you put that, man. Absolutely fucking understanding, magic. Like you said, understanding what you you don't need to know how to use every kind of light. You just need to know what your light is and when it shows up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, sorry, yeah, like, I, look, I, sorry, I've just noticed the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually late for an eye test, believe it or not. It's oh, dude! Well, you yeah, just said. Oh, I was just having too much fun. Us <laughs> too. So, so was I. To be honest, I could listen. I, I I could just chat about camera stuff all day long. And but let's wrap up. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been so, it's been so good. Long long may you guys like rain. This, you know, good good fun. And <laughs> appreciate that. I hope. I hope we cross paths um, in person in the future at some stage. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. On, in, in some part of the world somewhere. But if not, you know. <laughs> also, also to, you know, to anyone who, who listens to this, you know, like it's, I, I think the, the thing to remember is, um, which I'm always, I'm always so keen to communicate, is that like it's, there is no hierarchy in art. You know, someone who, who's got an opinion mm. about it, like there's no fucking hierarchy in this. Like the amount of experience that you've got, the amount of experience you don't have, the, the, the amount of how loud your voice is, how quiet you're, like it, it really doesn't matter. It is it's a level playing field. And I think, um, I think if, you know, if you're listening to this stuff and you are brand new to the game, like, like the experiences that you're having right now are some of the most potent ones that you'll ever have. You know, if you don't fucking listen to me, like, you know, figure it out for yourself. Like as, 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 as you go, you know, like you, you should be able to sit around a table with a bunch of people who at all sorts of levels of skill and experience. And, and I promise you that if you want to get good at this, you will give equal weight to the voices around the table, regardless of, of, of how much, how, how powerful their brand is or how, how loud their voice is or how much experience they have or the quality of their work. Like there are so many things to learn from, from everyone in the room. But the key to that is it's like if we could build an, an, an art world, a world, a visual world, a whatever in, in our wedding industry, which which ignores the hierarchy, which smashes the fucking hierarchy, we'll learn so much more from each other. We'll figure out so much more. We will make so much better work. Um, weighting this whole thing like a pyramid, you know, that you climb up, you know, that someone's voice should have more, be listened to more than someone else. It's just so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the people the people that I know who have the most experience, who make the greatest work, um, walk into a room and and do their best to seek out someone who's having has, who's having the craziest experience. And most of the time that means that, they, that they're seeking out the person who's just started who's in the heady days of learning a new skill, who the learning with a learning curve, every single shoot, they're just like, holy shit, I just discovered this kind of light. And you're just like, tell me about it. What did you find? Like, fuck, I need to steal your tricks. I need to be reinvigorated. I need to understand. You know, so yeah. if you're listening to this, I'm just another fucking voice of a thing. If you disagree with something, then it's completely fine to disagree with it. I just have a loud voice. That's all it is. But talk about it with other people. Come to your own conclusions. Figure shit out, you know. Um, it's like don't don't let me or anyone else tell you what to think about a thing. Like forge ahead and like figure out your own opinions and figure out how that stuff works. You know, sometimes experience is useful because it means that like 
I can tell you I did this thing. I plunged my hand into a vat of boiling oil, and it turns out that you do not need to do that to find out that you should do it. You know, <laughs> do but not other do times, that. other times we're talking we're talking about more subtle things like the flavors of crisps. You know, it's like fine, <laughs> go out there and buy all the flavors of crisps and eat them all. I encourage you, crisps are your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're here, and that's that's exactly sort of why we do this podcast is to For talk crisps. to. Well, yeah, Chris, please. No, <laughs> to talk to Absolutely. other creatives and get their opinions and their, as we call the podcast, perspectives on the industry and everything and just share that with people to learn from and get inspired by. Yeah. Sai, where can people find you online? Um, yeah, I've digitized myself into binary and I am living. Um, no, <laughs> baileymore.com, which is B-A-Y-L-Y-M-O-O-R-E.com. Um, is is where sort of our you know our world lives like online but like on instagram says more s-a-s-m-o-o-r-e is my like um my sort of analog stuff bailey moore is like a about instagram channel for like people on love stuff um it's you know you if, you if you if you seek out one of those two channels just like the website or like the instagram stuff you'll find your way to everything else it's like lift around of things going on yeah um yeah that's the easiest easiest way but hey but also Apparently, I'm on Clubhouse now too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To <laughs> got tricked. Got tricked into it. My yeah. screen time's going to go through the roof. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it's good. No, it's good. It's totally, it's totally, it's totally good. It's a fun app. So enjoy the conversations that happen. It's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah, and people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk on Instagram and Facebook, Films. We hope you loved this episode. And if you did, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. As for as little as a pound, you can support the podcast. And for the price of a coffee every month, you can get access to the Clubhouse Q&As, roundtable discussions, and even more bonus content that won't be available anywhere else. If you don't have any money to give, that's totally okay. You are our best friends. Maybe just hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online, which will be for free, obviously. Maybe just leave a review. That would be very cool. And we'll even give you a shout out on the next episode of the podcast, if you do, just to show our love. However, in the meantime, enjoy your life. <laughs>